0: Hello, everyone. This is the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value.
1: And I'm Val Hughes.
0: Get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we get it. Uh, And we're here today to bring you, again, cutting-edge commentary from true Wall Street professionals that are operating undercover for your benefit.
1: No one knows who we are. We're in secret identities.
0: Today we're going to be talking about stocks from the Value Line Investment Survey of January 20. 2006, I, I think actually Val's going to lead off today.
1: Well, I'm excited to do so. I have to say, this week's Value Line is chock full of exciting opportunities. And you're looking at them right now going, there's a lot of buy rated stocks. Which one should I buy? That's what we're going to try to accomplish today is give you some sense of which one you should own because we know you're not going to buy all 90 of them. So what we're doing is we're going to go through Value Line's recommendations, pick our favorites. Uh, and uh, and talk a little about them. I've um,
0: I've seen com- mining stocks, but I don't see a single chalk company.
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, maybe <laughs> next month. You know, they they do different industries each week, and I think that's apt to said come full up. Full
0: of chalk. Well, anyway.
1: So uh, I'm going to look at. Uh, they got a lot of buys this week in the drug industry, and I've actually owned. Uh, several of these stocks, I've covered the industry professionally. You may have read a report I wrote uh, under my real name, who knows. But uh, the thing that I wanted to start with today was uh, the generic industry. You know, there's a lot been said about the generic industry in terms of saving healthcare costs and things like that, and they're doing a lot of that. Uh, And uh, generics, uh, you know, are uh, bioequivalents, they're safe to take. I encourage all of you to use generics to save a few bucks. But the economics of generics are such that the uh, FDA awards a period of exclusivity to the most proactive company in pursuing the generic, and it only lasts about six months. So during that six months, these companies just mine money because they're the only ones out with the generic. And then uh, after six months or sometimes 12 months, depending on how much work they put into it, uh, profits go to zero because six other companies jump in and typically the company with the best sales force will dominate the company with the best science. So, uh these generics their you know their period of uh, success is often short-lived. Sounds like
0: a tough business.
1: It it can be, but I want to point out that it's just a real benefit to humanity, so I want to say I love the generic companies. So, are
0: you uh, socially uh, responsible investors out there? Absolutely. Load up on the support
1: generics. your local generic company. Absolutely. But let's look at a couple of these. I'm going to start uh, in uh, you know no particular order. Bar Pharmaceuticals is ranked number one by Value Line this week. Uh, ticker BRL trades on the NYSE. Uh, $66 recently, about a billion one 000, 000, 000 in sales. Uh, you know, this is a big generic company, and uh, they have some franchises in in several businesses, uh, particularly in treatment of cancer, hypertension, heart disease, depression, serious drugs, and they make the generic. They're on a bit of a roll right now. Uh, they've. Uh, basically extended some uh, patents through the use of some clever delivery technologies and that helps them to extend their periods of exclusivity. So they're on a roll right now with product, with pricing. uh, They've historically been one of the better run companies. I'd say probably the best in the industry. They have a very high ROI relative to the industry. Again, the best in the industry, well-managed. But one thing about these generics, because of the timing I talked about earlier, The returns move around. They're very volatile. They have a hot product, then they don't. Then they have one, then they don't. And Barr is, uh, you know, no stranger to that. They've moved around as the rest of the industry has, but always at a higher level. So I would say they're uh, probably the best company, but they're on a peak right now. Sales per share is at a peak. Operating margins at a peak. Return on capital is at a peak. Their deals with the big pharma is at a peak. Uh, their earnings are up threefold in the last two years. It's the best returns in five years and the second best in ten years. Ladies and gentlemen, they're hitting on every cylinder right now. And one thing we do know about generics is they move around. There's uncertainty about FDA approvals, about patent uh, litigation, of which right now they're in a in a fairly uh, meaningful suit against uh, the maker of Allegra. They have introduced an unauthorized version. They're being sued. They may win, they may lose. You know, five years ago, the generic companies won these suits. In the last few years, the drug uh, patent owners are winning the suits. But who knows? Uh, I would say right now I disagree with the Value Line. I would avoid this one. It's a great company, and I'd simply wait for a pullback. It's 20 times cash flow. That's too rich for these guys. Wait for some bad headlines. Wait for some uh, recommendation downgrades from Wall Street guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can buy this a lot cheaper. So keep it on your radar, but don't buy right now. Wait till it's about half this price. Uh, secondly, BioVail, <coughs> also number one rated. BVFNYSE, 26 bucks, a billion in sales. Uh, these guys uh, also do some generic work, uh, but they also do some more innovative stuff. They bought, actually, the patent to well Butrin, which had been developed by Glaxo, and now they sell the product back to Glaxo at very high prices. This partnership is on a huge roll right now, and again, uh, Biovale is enjoying some very strong pricing in this product, and uh, they have, uh, I think, a, a good run to go with that. They've got a new launch coming up on a generic version of uh, Tramadol called Ultram ER uh, uh j- just like bar their returns have been choppy they've been a little uh, you know a little worse than than bar they're not as well run a company but i think that's all in the stock biovail sells at 10 times cash flow and the luck factor for timing is the same between these companies. Uh, the stock has moved from 15 to 25 this year. I think it just got too cheap. At 25, it's still 10 times cash flow. You still get the benefit of the uh, aging of the population and the, the push toward lower-priced product. And Biovale is historically a well-run company. They're not at the peak of their game. They are probably a year away from that. I think there's a good bit left. In this stock, and I would, uh, I'd be a buyer right now of Biovail. It's also number one rated in Value Line, so I agree with them on Biovail. Uh, finally, Allergan, uh, number one rated at Value Line, ticker AGN NYSE. These are the Botox people, aren't they? They do make Botox, but uh, these guys are very serious chemists with regard to ophthalmologic, ophthalmologic, if I may. Say that one more uh, time. Ophthalmologic, ophthalmologic. Wow. Uh, issues and so they 50, over 50% of their revenues actually come from very serious medicines to treat eye diseases. They're the number one player in that space. Uh, they're a very stable company. They've got about two billion in sales. And uh, you know, there's an
0: aging population, that ought to be a great play.
1: Well, the, the company has uh, done, done very well in that space and basically owns that uh, owns that business. Very high market shares. The thing that's been exciting though in the last few years, you point out, is the Botox business. And that's on a big roll too. I mean, every time you open People Magazine, you know their business is extremely good. And uh, uh, just like, uh, you know, Barr, uh, they're right now hitting on on all, all cylinders. Their uh, returns on capital have moved into the low 20s. They are a bit more stable, quite a bit more stable than the generics. Uh, they've got a lot of growth ahead of them, both in Botox, as you point out, aging of the population. And this ophthalmology business is very stable. But again, this all comes with a cost. Right now, it's 33 times earnings, uh, 30 times cash flow. So, Ouch. also a number one-rated stock, I would simply pass, and I would buy Biovail. Okay. I just got a few minutes here. We want to get Vern on. He's chock full of uh, exciting ideas. But I just want to throw out, you know, this drug industry review by Value Line this week has a couple of big, old-fashioned drug companies that they've put threes on. And big I've, pharma. I've owned these stocks. i studied them. I understand a little bit about these things. Merck and Pfizer are two terrific companies. Uh, they have uh, you know, giant businesses. Uh, Merck has $20 billion in sales, and Pfizer, among the biggest companies in the world, has $50 billion in sales. Neither has a, a, a lick of debt. Uh, they do 30% operating margins. They both return 20% on capital. Uh, with a little debt, they could ber- be earning 30% on equity. And both have faced some serious problems the last few years in that uh, a, a couple of uh, drugs called COX-2 inhibitors, that would be Vioxx at Merck and Celebrex at uh, Pfizer, maybe some of you are you know, uh, uh, former users of these drugs. Uh, The fact is, these drugs ended up being not much more valuable than just, uh, you know, uh, some some Tylenol or Advil uh, and and an aspirin, and that all came out in science, and uh, they're being sued, and and so uh, combine that with an R&D department that really hasn't been doing a very good job, FDA problems in terms of approvals, so the whole drug business is bogged down, but I just want to point out that a big part of this company's advantage in the marketplace is these two companies spend more on R&D for drug science than any other two entities in the world, including governments. And they also have giant sales forces that know how to talk to every doctor every time or any time they want. So as new drugs come on in uh, uh, in, in, uh, in 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 biotech and in orthopedics and in uh, you know every advanced science that's coming down the pipe. Merck and Pfizer get a look at these guys very early, and, you know, even if they don't invent the drug, uh, they're going to have a good chance to get involved on the distribution side. So at the current prices, Merck is 13 times earnings. Pfizer is 12 times earnings. There is a little thing going on called aging of the population. What kind of cash flow? Uh, they're both under 10 times cash flow. So I think, you know, I they can't are, tell you these things are going up tomorrow. I in I'd, a
0: huge dividend yield. Too. Well, you huge do. Huge Companies huge dividends.
1: These are going to compete with your returns at the bank. Uh, Merck's got a four and a half percent yield. Pfizer three point nine. I would say these dividends are in no danger. These companies generate enormous cash flows, and uh, I would squirrel them away somewhere. Wait for the future. Be happy you owned them. Right now, I'm going to turn this show over to mm-hmm. Vern Value. Vern, take
0: wait, it away. Whoa, 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 whoa! We're not quite finished oh, I'm with our little tour of the. Pharmaceutical industry.
1: All right, all right. Uh,
0: I, you know, I don't have a lot to add here. But one of the things that struck me about one of these names you were talking about earlier, Bar, uh, one rated by uh, uh, by Value Line. You know this is a subject that you're going to hear me come back to a lot. Business model makes a big difference to me because when I when I am, when I buy a stock, I I remind myself that I'm buying a share of a business. And uh, I was struck here that Value Line seemed to refer to. Uh, uh, here it is. Legal maneuvering is a core competency. When when you've got a business where your ability to uh, uh, seek out and exploit loopholes in the law is a core competency and central to uh, generating a return to shareholders, I, I think you got to be really careful. And so if, if this, well, stock, were, if I'm this just... stock was half what it had been at some point in time, Maybe I'd, uh, maybe I'd be interested in talking about it, but at an all-time high with that kind of a business, I, I don't even need to know anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. And uh, I would second what you had to say about Pfizer and Merck. I own these stocks and uh, am very glad to own them. I'm happy to get the yield. My recommendation is to reinvest that yield, um, and you're going to make a lot of money over a uh, longer period of time. Um, now, so you know, I'm going to switch now. That was all very fascinating. What about um, uh, allergen? Allergan? Allergen? Allergen? What allergen? do you think of that one? I, the, with the Botox thing? Yeah. I, I, I think this um, uh, this huge position in uh, glaucoma drugs, glaucoma, that's how yeah. you say it, right? Yeah. Um, is as or uh, more impressive than the uh, apparent potential they have from uh, uh, doing uh, uh, what? It's not brand extension. It's actually product line extension uh, with Botox. Uh, very interesting name, you know, you were complaining about the multiples here. For the momentum investor, uh, very growth-oriented people, those are huge multiples. But as I look back over time, it, this is a stock that has engendered those kinds of multiples more often than not. So, um, I, Yeah, you know, people get excited about it. Good there's, company. A, there's an
1: analyst at, uh, I think, First Boston or something that really loves this thing, and he's always pounding on it. So uh, there's some of that in the stock.
0: Well, that's all very exciting. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to leave that behind. Move on to something very high tech that I'm sure is in the front of everyone's mind every day, and that's digging stuff out of the ground, metal stuff that's used to uh, to make everything that you to probably take for granted, like your car and your watch and your washing machine and your house. And um, I, I'm looking at some stocks in the uh, what Value Line calls the diversified metals and mining industry. Um, you know, there there really weren't a lot of uh, One-rated stocks in this issue of Value Line. Lots of twos, including several in uh, in the mining industry. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting to uh, take a look at three of them that have quite similar uh, valuation uh, statistics yet uh, couldn't be more different, and uh, hopefully this will be of some value to you if you're thinking, gee, you know, I, I hear that commodity prices are up and China has a never-ending appetite for things that you dig out of the ground, maybe I want to participate in that. I'm going to start with Allegheny Technology, uh, which uh, I, don't, I don't know this company. It was created in uh, 1999 when they split up uh, the old, I guess, uh, Alleg- uh, Allegheny Teledyne, and um, was there a steel company? Allegheny yeah, steel? I, it seemed like there was. This, this company is based in Pittsburgh, so i got to believe that's probably right. Uh, it says they're a diversified producer of specialty metals, uh, They it's stainless steel sheet, strip, plate. That's 60% of business they call rolled products. That means they basically take material from somebody else and they just make it a different shape for the people that can't use it in the shape it was in in the first place. How hard is that? That can't be that hard. I, well, I, I, th- I think you need big, big, big metal stuff to do that. Um, I, interesting, uh, 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 the company, according to Value Line, does have a big exposure to uh, what you would consider uh, later cycle markets like uh, aerospace and energy, uh, electrical. Um, you know, 11 times cash flow, 13 times earnings, about a 0.7 relative P.E. Um, You know, moderately levered, 40% debt to total capitalization, not much of a dividend. Uh, You look at the history of this thing since it got broken up and and became an independent company. It originally generated returns on capital around 10. Uh, (laughs) The uh, shareholder's uh, equity account went from the number that it had when it became an independent entity, went straight down for five years. Uh, It got rid of uh, operating losses. Destroyed about 90% of book value. Uh, they've been losing money in 02, 03, and 04. I don't know why, but uh, apparently a big cost cutting program. And returns are up a lot, but that's of course because shareholders' equity. No been, equity. There's no equity. Um, it's very difficult to get very excited about the uh, fundamental performance here. Stocks at an all time high. Um, you know, the thing to be careful about here is. You look at these metals that they're talking about: titanium, nickel, stainlesses. Uh, these are things that right now are uh, selling for premium prices. Has a lot to do with constrained capacity to supply some of these markets that need these kinds of special metals. And Allegheny themselves, it says here, is. Uh, Investing uh, over 200 million dollars in a capacity expansion that will apparently buy them about 8% revenue growth. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's a short-term trade here uh, on a momentum basis, but I don't see any value here. Uh, Well, I'm struck when I
1: add up all the earnings of this company for the last nine years, it adds up to about nine dollars a share. The stock's at 40, so does that mean it takes 40 years to get your money back here? I
0: I don't know. (laughs) That's a fairly extended payback. (laughs) Uh, The the next stock I was going to at BHP Billiton, uh, for those of you not familiar with this company, it's this a combination of uh, the old Broken Hill proprietary in Australia and Billiton, two major um, uh, mining companies based in Australia. Um, this is uh, far larger than uh, uh, than Allegheny, in fact it's far larger than most companies you'd ever look at. The market cap here is $110 billion. Uh, similar kind of valuation statistic, this is about 12 times cash flow. Uh, also, about 13 times earnings, about a, about well, actually, it's 14 times earnings, uh, uh, about a 0.75 relative multiple. There's a little bit of leverage, dividend yields, nothing special. But if you look at the track record here, I mean, it just screams stability. Uh, operating margins, I, you know, in a 10 year period, never below 15%. Return on capital variable with the commodity prices themselves, of course. Um, but, you know, never negative, uh, running in the 20s now, um, we're in a strong cycle obviously for uh, the kinds of products that this company produces, uh, which are, I, really they're in everything. They're in uh, uh, oil and gas, uh, coal, iron ore, nickel, copper, diamond, you know, I mean a true giant diversified mining company. Value Line has some commentary here about how they're growing their oil business and how they're investing in aluminum, et cetera. Um, it, the thing that intrigues me about this business is that uh, it looks like it's very well run. It's very large. Uh, there's a lot of technology going into the mining sector these days. These are the kinds of companies that are making those investments and leading the way are going to be the most efficient producers. And because they have so many of their assets based in um, in Asia, including Australia, they're in a prime position to be a direct beneficiary of of what's happening in China. Uh, They'll have an advantage in supplying that market simply because they're closer. And the reality might be that, you know, as you look back here at history, and they've kind of averaged 10% return on capital over time and it's higher now, maybe this higher level is going to be persistent for a while. Maybe they're, they're really returning, you know, maybe this is a company that can really return 15 percent on capital on a regular basis. Well
1: when you add China into the demand mix don't you end up really having a better diversified uh, customer base so now if one's down maybe the other ones up you've got a lot. Well when you're
0: in mining to me that's a key attraction so then when you go to Freeport uh, MacMoran, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, this is a company uh, that is in the copper and gold business. They basically have one major property, what's called Grassberg in Indonesia. Um, I'm quite familiar with this property. It's uh, easily the uh, low-cost uh, property of its kind in the world. Matter of fact, the, uh, the ore body there apparently is so rich that the, uh, the gold that they harvest uh, pays all of their costs and a nice return, and they basically get the copper out of the ground for free. Uh, so I mean, you know wonderful business shows up with outstanding returns, but of course, they're ultimately limited because if uh, if they go anywhere else and do anything else, it dilutes the returns for the overall company. Um, this is uh, got a statistical uh, profile. It looks a lot like BHP same 12 multiple of cash flow, same 14 multiple of earnings, um, similar dividend yields, uh, return on capital kind of running in the 10%, but it's got a couple things that are dramatically different than BHP. One of those is that they're basically in metals, they're not in energy, they're in copper and gold, and these are truly cyclical markets. When when, uh, there's not enough copper being mined, people open new copper mines several typically do it at the same time, suddenly you have too much capacity, the price of the commodity crashes, uh, whereas somebody like BHP, we were talking about before, because they're so diversified, they can weather something like that a lot better, and they also have significant energy interests. and if you want to look at the opportunity in China, it, uh, while China needs everything, they need all commodities, what they really need is energy. So. On BHP, I mean, I don't know anything about this
1: company, but I, I, there's about three things I I, I find it interesting. 12 times cash flow, diversified global manufacture, and China. So I'm a buyer of that one. Freeport, uh, gold, what, what does gold do? How many people need gold rings? I mean, I just think that at uh, 12 times cash flow, peak numbers. There's another volatile, problem, there's I'm, I'm another problem an with
0: Freeport, the fact that they're in Indonesia You know, right now uh, uh, things have uh, uh, civil unrest in different parts of Indonesia has moderated significantly, and uh, the government appears more stable. But uh, I, you know, if I if I've got to operate uh, in the mining industry. Uh, which is a very uh, very difficult uh, business to exit or change my investment level in in a short period of time. I really want a stable governmental, regulatory, political some environment. Some cost has got to be huge oh my in God, country. It, yeah. Your asset to get your return <clears throat> out of it, you're going to have to exploit it for decades. So um, Australia, very stable, friends of America. Indonesia, Yay, Australia. They want to they want to be friends of America. They want to be stable, but. Not, not quite the same. So, to me, the the point here that what I'm trying to uh, to to add here is that we've got three metals companies here: one producer, two miners. Uh, All of them have similar valuation characteristics, uh, but one of them is clearly very attractive, has a very good uh, strategic kind of story. Uh, The other two, to different, uh, to varying degrees, not nearly as attractive. I don't have much to add. I actually agree with all your picks this week, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm wow, pleased to say that. Wow, I think that. that's a new record.
1: It could be. Let's, and with uh, the let's age make of note the show. of the
0: fact that this is uh, the January 20 issue of the Value Line Investment Survey, and uh, I'm I, I've got to say Aloha now. This is Vern, Value,
1: and Val Hughes. Get it, Aloha.